Well, good morning, second service. And good morning, first service people that didn't make it. That's okay. All right, time change Sunday, right? This is the day that shows the dedication uh, to the church world, right? Is, is if you make it on time change Sunday. But no, uh, seriously, we're glad you're here today. It's been a weird day for me already. Uh, going on five hours of sleep. Uh, you know, that's a little abnormal for me on a, on a Saturday night to a Sunday morning. Uh, but what was really weird is when I got to the office today, I opened the door uh, as, as I come in the back of, of the, the office area over here, and I smell like smoked meat. It was so weird with like spices, you know? And I was like, I was thinking like breakfast, but it was like, no, it was beyond breakfast. It was lunch. And uh, just a reminder, we're, we are having a dessert uh, auction today, and there is uh, freshly... Uh, smoked pulled pork that's been smoking all through the night, um, waiting for you to devour it. And so we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the service, but uh, yeah, it was just really uh, weird. Time change Sunday is weird, isn't it? I mean, as I get older, it's like more days to get used to it, you know? And it's like, it's dark when it's supposed to be light. And last week it was light and that's supposed to be dark. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just one of those weird things. So uh, thank you, uh, U.S. government, for putting that upon the people. Um, yeah, but anyway, but we've been in a series for several weeks called Afterlife because we're going to live with the end in mind and the time change won't matter in heaven because God uh, is over all of time. We learned that a couple weeks ago. So uh, we've, we've been in this series for several weeks and we've really been focusing in on something that Solomon decided to address head on that I think we've all either heard about it, maybe we've dealt with it ourselves, maybe it was just seasonal for us, or maybe it's something we've been struggling with our whole life. And that's the fact that it just seems like there's this dissatisfaction with life as it is. That we go through life and we just feel dissatisfied. Like, you know, I could get all the achievements in the world. Doesn't satisfy. I could have all the money in the world. Doesn't satisfy. I could have everything that the world values. And I, I get to get that, this place where it doesn't really matter. And, and we read Solomon, wisest man. Um, you know, he, he prayed and asked God for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. One of the wisest people to ever live say, it's all meaningless. The only thing that really matters is the end of your life. One thing that really matters is what's, what's going to last into eternity and not just what's going to last or, or, or provide for you in the here and now. And so it's this challenge uh, to us. And some of us will say, yeah, I've been dissatisfied with my life today or I've been going through this season of it or maybe I felt like this for years. But I think we can all relate to that on some level. That it just Life here isn't exactly as I wanted it to be. And yet, he's going to give us some answers. He's going to share some of that wisdom. But it's always with this eternal focus in mind. And today we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. If you want to use one of our Bibles, you can just grab that one that's there in front of you, turn it to page 556. You'll be right where you need to be. If you want to, you can follow along in the app. All the notes and all the, the, uh, the Scriptures are there for you. And if you haven't downloaded our new app, you can do that. Um, I did get a feedback first service that uh, some of you might need to hit refresh. If, if it's last week's notes that come up, just hit the refresh button at the bottom and it'll refresh it and you'll have this week's notes right there for you. But we're going to just continue in this series allowing Him to speak and, 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 and talk to us about you know, keeping the end in mind that eternity matters, that uh, we always need to be mindful of that as we live through everything uh, in our life. And so let's begin this morning with the Word of God, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And I'm going to pause here, just explain a few words and what he's, what he's talking about in a few of these verses. Uh, first verse says this, A good name is better than precious ointment. We'll stop there, okay? Ointment, when I read it, I thought, oh, it's triple antibiotic 
Ointment, right? Like Andy ointment. That is not what that word actually means. Uh, that word is actually referring to perfume or cologne as in a fragrance, okay? So when you read ointment there, don't think scraped knee, think smell good, okay? So it says, a good name is better than smelling good like cologne or perfume. And the day of death, better than birth. The day of death than birth. Hmm. We'll talk about that. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Again, one of those statements, things that make you go, hmm. We'll get to it in a little bit. The heart of the wise is the house of mourning. The heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Yeah, I didn't know what mirth was, so I had to look that up. And, and mirth is um, amusement, laughter, or entertainment, okay? So the house of amusement, laughter, or entertainment, it is better to be in the house of mourning than to be in that house. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll get there and explain a little more in depth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. It's meaningless. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. I'm going to share several things this morning, and then we're going to kind of sort this out verse by verse. But a couple of these overarching principles are not just from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, which is what we just read. It's actually chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. There's just some principles there. So I'm going to kind of give you the overarching principles and then some very specific things out of this section of scripture uh, this morning. The first one is this suffering is a better teacher than prosperity. Suffering is a better teacher than prosperity and you may say oh you know what 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 do you mean by that exactly because i think i would like prosperity but if life is easy and it's prosperous it teaches you nothing and so often it leads to a very shallow existence and that's precisely what solomon is is hitting on here now look look back there at verse one it it says a good name is better than precious ointment and we talked about how that's you know, cologne, perfume, it's a, it's a fragrance thing. And it really leads us to kind of the, the first thing that comes out of this uh, this morning, which is that everyone's reputation smells. Everyone's reputation smells. Yeah, you'll probably remember that if you remember nothing else this morning. You'll remember that. Now, let, let me explain what I mean by that exactly, okay? I'm a person that loves smells. I have a sensitive smeller. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, but I have it, okay? Um, it's really weird sometimes. I've embarrassed my wife sometimes because we'll be checking out like fragrances uh, at a place that sells perfume, you know, like a, like a Dillard's. You remember Dillard's, right? It used to be in the mall. Oh, you remember a mall, right? Used to be, okay. Anyway, you hear what I'm saying? You know, and so they have a fragrance counter, right? And I remember they come out with this new scent from London, England called Burberry's. And, and so I'm going to the counter, I'm smelling it, and I'm like, you know, hey, babe, you know, you like the smell? Because I'm into smells, so I always want you to smell good. Um, I always try to smell good, and, and I want you to smell good, okay? Just, just putting that out there. Um, but I'm smelling this fragrance, and I can just pick out some of what they would call the notes in the fragrance. Like it had like Clementine 
you know, oranges and honeysuckle. Um, you know, it, it had jasmine. It had uh, sandalwood. And, and I saw, I'm, I'm like, I can smell this and this. And this lady behind the counter is like, oh, you, you know, her jaw drops like, oh, you know the actual fragrances in the perfume and you must have read the thing. I was like, I've never read anything. I just smell it. I'm going to smell these things in there. And she was like, really? You have a really sensitive nose. I'm like, well, thank you. I think. <laughs> but the point is this is that your reputation and your character kind of goes before you, right? Your reputation goes before you as an aroma of your character. And that's, that's true of everyone, and we want that to be a pleasant aroma for obvious reasons, especially as Christ's followers. And, and you think about character, how do you build character? It's built one decision at a time over what? Over a long time. It's a long obedience in the, in the same direction. And, and, and in verse 1, it doesn't stop there. It gives us the second half of the verse says this statement, the day of death, than the day of birth. That the day of death is better than the day of birth. And we're like, wait a second. We always celebrate birthdays. We don't really celebrate death days. And, and so that's, that's kind of a weird, weird statement. But what he's talking about there is that the end results, the day of death, is better than the day of birth. But for who? It's for Christians. Because Christians die better than anyone else. Because we die and we go into eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. We, we die and we get to go on in an existence that is glorious and we get to be in the presence of Almighty God for not just like you know 75 years or 100 years that we might have here on earth, but forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's something that, again, that's this eternal mindset has to be with us. And that's why he can make a statement like that and, and absolutely mean what he's saying, that, that we would celebrate uh, the, the death of, of someone more than their birth because of what it represents for the future. It's graduation day. It's, it's, it's it, the whole life you've been living has been getting you ready for that moment. It's a time that, 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 that Solomon says, hey, we should celebrate, we should recognize that. If you look at, at verses 2-4, through four, um, he, he, he basically says this, that the, the funeral home is better for us than the comedy club. The funeral home is better for us than the comedy club. Solomon says that it is wise to prepare for death because facing death prepares us for life. You see, if we live with the end in mind and we prepare for the day that we would pass away, it actually prepares us for life now and the life to come. Look what it says at the end of verse 3. The first part says sorrow is better than laughter. Why? For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. How by the sadness of face can a heart be made glad? It's when you're learning the tough lessons of life. When you're going through the times of life. Now remember what I said at the very beginning. Suffer, suffering is a better teacher than prosperity. We learn more through the suffering than we do through the prosperous times. The prosperous times, we, we get kind of loosey-goosey and we, we don't pay attention as much. And there, there's nothing that we need to learn because everything's good, right? It's when we go through those other times in life that we struggle. And Solomon is, is reminding us here that, 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 when, we, that when we live, that, that we need to learn the lessons of the funeral home. If you think about that, you go to the comedy club and you laugh for a couple hours, what's the topic? Does it matter? No. You might have a funny joke for a couple of days that you might tell some people. 
a funny life situation, but that's it. It's actually very shallow in nature. Whereas if you go to the funeral home and you attend someone's service, do we make light of that? No, what do we do? We talk about the depth of that moment. We talk about the depth of the character of that person that has passed away. And that those moments are more precious. More precious they should be to us, but more precious even to the Heavenly Father than all the frivolous moments that we can live out in life. And, and that's what Solomon's saying there in verses uh, 2-4. through four. Just, just, hey, pay attention at the funeral home more than you do at the comedy club. And then you get into verses 5 and 6, and, and he really kind of summarizes it with this. A correction from the wise is better than a pat on the back from fools. A correction from the wise is better than a pat on the back from fools. Now, we would all probably say, yes, I would agree with that statement. I totally understand that. Don't really need to explain that. Except that we actually enjoy the pats on the back better than the correction or the words of rebuke. Again, looking at verses 5 and 6, it says, It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song or the, you know, the revelry of fools. Why is that? Because the guidance, even though it may come in the form of correction or rebuke, the guidance of the wise is looking out for our best in life. And whether we want to admit it or not, we're looking for the best out of life. The only way that's achieved is through what we talked about at the beginning. Suffering is a better teacher than prosperity. Then we get in the next part of the passage, beginning with verse 7 and beyond. And this is kind of the guiding principle there. Adversity puts us in a dangerous place. Puts us in a precarious position. Adversity puts us in a dangerous place. And then he gives us some warnings there, beginning there with verse 7. Adversity can cause us to lose our grip on reality. It says, surely oppression drives the wise into madness. Gives me the idea there that sometimes we just need a reality check. We don't need to lose our grip on reality, but sometimes when adversity is coming our way, it can cause us uh, and our minds to just jump ahead. If you have been through a strenuous and stressful situation in life, it could be anything. It could be like losing a job that you didn't expect to lose. You just walk into work someday, and they're like, bye-bye. Strenuous, stressful situation. It feels like very much that there's adversity going on there and you have this tendency to go to the worst case scenarios to lose your grip on reality surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart again talking about our heart talking about the the reality here the second thing from verse 8 adversity can cause us to become impatient adversity can cause us to become impatient man this is this is the one i probably uh, can relate to the most is the impatience of waiting when you're facing adversity. Look what it says in verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And you may say, really? Because a lot of us, we like to start things, but we don't like to finish things. And so sometimes we're like, I'm not sure I can totally relate to that. I'm not sure I actually buy into that truth. That something at the end is better than it is at the beginning. Now, of course, he's re referencing life here, but he's also, there's this universal principle he's referencing there, which is this idea of completion. It's this idea that you actually complete something. That it's actually better than just starting something. Let me give you an example of this in, in my life. I uh, used to own a 2002 Chevy Tahoe. 
Love that vehicle. Wish I'd never sold it. Okay, I made the mistake of selling it. And and uh, I, I they're easy to work on. And um, I'm not a mechanic. And if you know me at all, you'd just laugh at the thought of me under a hood or under a car. Um, and so, uh, but I got this idea. One of the things that was really annoying about that vehicle was the uh, driver's side back door window switch. When you pushed it, would go down inside the door. And, and like something on the, on the left side of that button had, had, had broken or something, so it would go down inside the door. So I decided, you know what? You know, let's see about fixing this. So I'd taken it to a couple places, got quotes in the hundreds of dollars, and I thought, man, forget that. I was talking to some guy in the church, and he said, dude, you just watch the YouTube video and they'll tell you how to do it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to try that. I've never done the YouTube video fixer guy. So I'm going to do that. So I did. I went on there and they tell you how to pop off the panel of the door. So I took off the panel of that back door. Very proud of myself. What I didn't realize is you kind of have to have like something there to hold that because all the wires, they don't come loose. And so you, 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 you have to hold it the whole time you were trying to work. And sometimes you need two hands. And Anyway, I just remember I pop off the door panel. I'm so proud of myself. And I grab something to kind of hold it in place. And, and uh, then about that time, Amy comes out in the garage. And she comes around the corner. She's like, what are you doing? Do you, do you know what you're doing? It's like, yeah, I've got YouTube right here. Just popped off the panel all by myself. Only broke one clip. There's five clips. So I was covered with the other four, but yeah, pop that off myself there, sugar. What are you thinking? She's like, well, I hope you know what you're doing. Why'd you take it off? And, you know, because it does, it looks kind of intimidating, you know, it's like the inside of a door. So anyway, but I looked at the little switch thing and I didn't want to buy the switch because it was like a hundred bucks or something. And so I look inside there, I'm like, oh, this plastic piece broke off. And so what I did is I did some American ingenuity, you know, and I got some wire from my toolbox. I went in there and I pulled that thing across. Um, and, and wired it around something else that, that was inside the panel of the door there, and I wired it real tight to where it hold up. And, and I bet you to this day, uh, I sold that vehicle to a friend, I bet you to this day that, that window probably still works and probably looks great, and that button is staying right up there flush where it's supposed to. Now, I'm not going to tell you how that happened, but it did, okay? And it, it worked. And that was the other thing is like the button worked. You could push on it up down. I was putting a little pressure on it. It wasn't just falling down again. I was really proud of myself. So then I'd go to stick the panel back on the door and pop it in. Like I said, I broke one of the things, but there were, there was five of them. I had four left. and It was the one in the middle that I broke. So I was covered by on the outside and looking there. It looks nice. And you know, I think Amy was really impressed by that and me and my YouTube video. But I'm telling you what, there's so much satisfaction at the end of that project in the beginning. I was kind of excited to test the waters of the YouTube vehicle fix, but there was so much more satisfaction at the end. I think you can probably relate to that in, in life. And you can relate to that in maybe a project like I was talking about. That Yeah, I can, I can relate uh, to that. The better is the end of a thing than its beginning. In the beginning, it can kind of look like a mess, right? But at the, at the end, the finished, the finished product is good. But sometimes when we're facing the adversity of the moment, it can cause us to become impatient. We uh, have a hard time waiting on that end result. The next thing in verse 9 talks about the adversity can cause us to become angry. This is a place where I think as believers and just, just as humans, we need to be really, really careful. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. That word lodges there gives us the idea that it stays, that it lingers. 
that it makes a home there. It's a very dangerous place to be when anger lodges in your heart. And that's why it says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry. Sometimes anger has its proper season. It has its proper place and time, but it can also lead to sin. It can lead to us being entangled in bitterness and resentment. Sometimes rage. <clears throat> Sometimes well, when we, when we uh, struggle with anger, it just comes out of us at the worst times. We, we're just trying, you know, and we're trying to get back at somebody. We're trying to hurt them like, like they've hurt us, and it, it just doesn't lead to anything good. Adversity can put us in a dangerous place. And then in verse 10, adversity can cause us to lose our perspective. It can cause us to just kind of lose our perspective. Kind of like verse 7, losing grip on reality. It causes us to, to lose our perspective on life. Look at verse 10. It says, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. You see, it's not good to dwell on the past. So many times I think we can do that. We can remember a season in our life that was easy. We can remember a season in our life that, that, that was really, really good. And we live life thinking about the past. You know, it's called the good old days. We say stuff to our spouse or to our friends. Do you remember the good old days? When cars were made out of metal instead of fiberglass and plastic. Do you remember? Do you remember the good old days when, you know, gasoline was 80 cents a gallon? When it fluctuated, it went to 82 cents a gallon. Do you remember? Do you remember the good old days? And so many people get focused on the good old days. You remember when the church had hymnals <clears throat> and an organ? The good old days. Fact is, those were some really good days. But as Christians, and the challenge that Solomon gives us through not only this passage, but six, seven, eight, and nine of Ecclesiastes, and really the entire book, is don't get caught up looking backward. Always be looking forward because if you're a Christian, your best days are always ahead. And we can't lose that perspective. No matter what adversity is coming our way in the here and now, see adversity as a distraction. It's the devil's tool to get you distracted and get you focused only on here and now and not on 20 years from now or 100 years from now. Because guarantee you, whatever you came in this morning concerned about, whatever you're worried about or anxious about today, a hundred years from now, probably won't matter to you at all. What's going to matter is your eternal dwelling place, how you lived your life. It's, I'm not trying to discount the difficulties of the day and the pain that it can put you through, but don't be longing for yesterday when it was good. Be longing for the future when it's great. Belonging for eternal life. Belonging to be with your heavenly Father. Belonging for the hope of heaven. And if there was a statement that would summarize 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Ecclesiastes and maybe the entire book, and you've done that before. You read passages of Scripture, not like a verse or two, but like a whole chapter, and you see these themes that come out of you. And one of the, the biggest theme that came out of it for me was this, that we need to finish life faithfully. We need to finish life faithfully because in the end it's all that really matters is that we would finish life faithfully and yet satan comes against us and he wants to to lure us away and uh, he's a he's a thief and a liar he's one that uh, makes things appear okay uh, sometimes we can justify it in our mind hey i'm going to make this sinful decision 
it will be okay. It'll be okay if I do this, even if it messes up my life, if it messes with my family, if it messes with my kids. Well, no, this is a great idea. You know, this is, this is great. And, and, and everything within you, the Holy Spirit, if you've accepted Christ, is in you just screaming, no, don't go there. But yet we choose this rut of sinfulness. There's three things that happen there. I think that we need to be aware of when we're, when we're choosing sin over faithfulness in God and maybe we're struggling to get to the finish line faithfully. We need to remember that sin will take you further than you want to go. Man, isn't that the truth? Sin will always take you further than you want to go. You think, well, I've got control. And I can get, you know, if there's this line to cross for sin, I can get there and I can even hang my, hang my toes over the line. But sin will always draw you in. It'll take you further than you want to go. Another thing that's the truth is that sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Keep you longer than you want to stay. You look at Solomon's life, and if you read just about his, his life and some of the decisions that he made, he didn't finish well. He started well, but he didn't finish well. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Can't tell you how many times people have maybe struggled with some type of substance abuse. Said, Oh, I thought I could stop here. But that sinful choice kept me a lot longer than I wanted to stay. The last thing is that sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It always it, it will always take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, but it will always cost you more than you want to pay. Part of the deception, it feels good in the moment. It feels good, maybe even for, for, for some of you, you've experienced where sin feels good for a season, but then there's the consequences of those choices. Praise God for the grace of Jesus Christ. That there's the forgiveness of sins. That if we repent and turn from our sins, that Jesus forgives us says that He purifies us from all unrighteousness and allows us a new way to live going forward in life. Hard concept for some people to wrap their mind around. But after we've come to that faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just cheap grace. It's actually a life-changing decision. And one of the things that Solomon wants us to understand is that we need to have, we, we need to have a finish line type of faith. We need to finish life faithfully. I did a series several years ago called Tombstone. The tagline of Tombstone, and this was studying four kings from uh, the Old Testament, kings of Israel. The whole, the whole tagline for Tombstone was four unfamiliar kings and they're all too familiar stories. Because I believed as you looked at these kings' lives, each one of them a little bit different, but each one having its own end result that some of them started really good and they they started and they were obeying God's law and they were moving God's direction but then they got tangled up in some kind of sin and they didn't finish strong there was a time where they were walking with the Lord there was a time that they walked away it was amazing as you read through these stories it was oh yeah I've heard these stories this is my best friend or this is somebody in my family or this is my life story but it was all about how those kings finished that really made the difference. I want to read to you a word of Scripture without the reference. 
And then I'm going to tell you where it came from. This is what Scripture says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, there was suffering in life. And the time for my departure has come. He had come to the time where he was about to depart this world and to, to die. And he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You may say, well, that's maybe one of these kings from the Old Testament or maybe Solomon. It's actually found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 in the New Testament. These words are from the Apostle Paul. Paul lived a finish line faith. Imagine what he was going through at the time that these words were penned because he was actually in prison. He was on death row. And he says this, for I'm already poured out as a drink offering. If you know Paul's life and all that he had suffered for the Gospel. He'd been stoned and left for dead. He'd been shipwrecked at sea. All of those things. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time for my departure has come. He knew death was just around the corner. That at any moment, someone could walk into his cell, take him out, and he'd be gone. And he knew that was right there for him. But he finished by saying this. You know what? I fought the good fight. I fought for the gospel. I fought for living a life that follows God and showing Him that I love Him by obeying His commands. I have finished the race. The path that God has set out before my life, I have gotten to the finish line of it, and I have kept the faith. After those words from 2 Timothy chapter 4, he goes on and says that for me, what's in store for me as he leaves this world is the crown of righteousness. And it'll be there for all of those who have loved His appearing. Talking about Jesus. Loved the fact that the Son of God came into the world. The Apostle Paul knew how to live a finish line faith. To live life faithfully even into the end. You know, we could go through prosperous times and live our whole life that way, but I don't know that would draw us any closer to Jesus Christ. Because... I think adversity is a better teacher than prosperity. And the other reason is something I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I wonder if God allows for this adversity in the world and the pain of life here so it doesn't leave us longing for a longer life here. But maybe we experience this pain so it leaves us longing for heaven. Because I believe no one should have to stay in this world any longer than God intends them to be. He's the creator of life. He gives us life. He also takes life. He knows when the end of your life will come. And His desire is that you be found faithful. That you would live a finish line faith. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank You that You love us and that You forgive us. And God, that You are a God that we can come to the end of our life, Lord, and have hope. Come to the end of our life and we can experience, Lord, we can experience grace in its fullness. We can experience a life everlasting with no more pain, no more sorrow. The book of Revelation tells us there'll be no more tears. Wipe every tear from our eyes. We'll get to focus on You. But Lord, we're in the here and now. We're in the in-between. 
We read Scripture like in Ecclesiastes 7 today and we see the contrast here. The contrast of the life of prosperity and ease and what it can give us. But also that sometimes those hardships and adversity, things that come, Lord, we know they're hard. We know sometimes it can lead us just to a, a bad place. But in Christ Jesus, we can overcome. We can overcome to the point that we can live faithful to the end. And we can say, hey, I've finished my race. And I have kept the faith. And God, I know that is your desire for us. And God, we know the evidence of our salvation, the evidence of our love and our dedication to you is, is found in the deeds the reflection of, of who we are in Christ Jesus is found in the choices that we make every day. God, for, for some of us, we've been making some choices that we, we need to pause and we need to ask for your forgiveness and we need to hit the reset button and we need to come back to you. Lord, for others, maybe we've never called upon your name. We've never really surrendered our life fully to you. God, I pray that the day today would be the day of salvation for someone that has never called upon your name and never dedicated their life to You. Lord, some of us, we've never experienced the watery grave of baptism. The beautiful uh, illustration of our new life in Christ. The sins are washed away. We're raised to walk in newness of life. But God, as we sing this song over the next few minutes, I just pray, God, sh show us what our next step is toward You. That we could be a faithful people. Lord, if there's any way in us that, that is not of You, God, that You would just take that from us. You would help us to be overcomers. But Lord, I just pray, do Your redemptive work in our, in our mind and in our heart over these next few minutes as we sing this song. As we choose how we're going to respond to You and to the truth of Your Word this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.